Foundation Church. So glad to be with you this morning. We're excited about what the Spirit of God is going to say this morning and excited about the presence of the Lord. Um, once again, we're glad that you're with us. We're going to open up with the word like we always do. So John chapter 20, verse 1 says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and sees the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then came Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and sees the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Wow. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they had knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and sees two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, sir, if you have borne him hence, tell him where you have laid, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say master. Jesus said unto her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, peace be unto you. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come into your presence and to hear your voice. We give you glory, Father God, for the word that is fitly spoken like apples of gold and settings of silver. We thank you, Lord, for the word and due season. Lord, if we don't hear from you, we're just like those that go down into the pit. But we are your children, Lord, and we thank you, Father God, that you are speaking peaceably unto your children. Lord, that your desire is that we increase more and more and that we are blessed and that we are healed and that we are strong. We thank you, Father God, that it's your desire to perfect all the things that concern us for your riches, for your mercy endures over our life and you're not forsake the work of your hand. We thank you, Father God, that you have revealed unto us the riches of your grace, that it's all wrapped up and tied up in a beautiful bow in the word of God. And we thank you, Lord, that the word is a person 
and his name is Jesus. Lord, we came to hear from you this morning. God, I thank you that every person under, under the sound of my voice, however they're listening, whatever platform, whenever they're listening, God, I just thank you for the Holy Spirit to speak expressly. And we thank you, Lord God, for the word in due season. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto your servant that with all boldness, I will declare your word by stretching forth your hand to heal and lifting up my voice, which is your voice, and that signs and wonders might be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Hallelujah. Welcome again to Shore Foundation Church. We're excited to have you. Please uh, make sure that you check out the website, Shore Foundation Church, New Jersey, at uh, uh, .org, Shore Foundation Church, NJ.org. Follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook. Um, there's content um, that we're releasing, uh, and we're getting more and more content out. There is a podcast available on all major platforms. So that would be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, um, and you can gain access to the podcast right through the website. Um, welcome again this morning. We're going to get right into the word of God. So we've been talking last week about why God has called us to church to become part of a fellowship. Um, why is that necessary? You know, we know that the Lord loves us. We know that Jesus died for all of us. We know that because of what Jesus has done, we don't need a priest to account for our sins or to sacrifice for our sins or to go before God um, instead of us, you know, just on our behalf. Jesus took care of all that. He's the greatest advocate we could ever have. So why is it that the Lord wants you, he wants me to be part of a church, to be part of a ministry, to be part of a fellowship? And we went into the scriptures and we saw in John chapter 10 um, last week, Jesus was talking to the disciples and he was telling the disciples how he is the good shepherd, how it's, it's what he does is he lays down his life for the sheep. I'll just read a couple of those verses, just review. John chapter 10, um, verse one says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some, but climbs up some other way, um, the same is a thief and a robber, but he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from. Okay, I'm just going to ask everybody to pause for just a second. I'm hearing that we might have some audio trouble, and I appreciate your patience. Just a moment, everyone. Have a thumbs up. Praise God. I think we're good. All right. Forgive us. So we're in John chapter 10. We're talking about why church, why God has called us uh, to become part of a fellowship. Uh, in John chapter 10, Jesus gives this uh, beautiful illustration about sheep and shepherds and how Jesus is the, we know that he's the greatest shepherd. He's the chief shepherd and how much he cares for the sheep, that it's the shepherd's job to lay down his life for the sheep. So I'm gonna read another scripture in Matthew chapter nine, which reviewing real quick from last week. Matthew chapter nine, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And again, this is, this is Jesus. So this is the ministry of the son of God. He's, you know, over the age of 30, up until this time, he was just, uh, as, as far as everybody knew it, just a regular guy from Nazareth, but there was something different about him. And then the, his time comes for his ministry and he's at the age of 30, and the word of God says that he's going 
He's like the worldwide ministry. There was no internet back then, obviously, but the worldwide ministry of Jesus Christ is just in full flux. And the word of God says he's, he's everywhere. You know, if there was a billboard back then, there would have been billboards. If there was social media, there would have been all kinds of social media about what, magna, what magnificent things the son of God was doing at that time. So it says he went about all the cities and villages teaching in the synagogues. He's got all kinds of preaching engagements and ministering um, in churches, but then he's ministering outside and it's controversial. You know, it was just, it wasn't just in church. He's preaching the gospel, but then he doesn't just preach. The Bible says that signs and wonders start happening after Jesus preached. So what that means is Jesus will go and preach and then somebody would be sick and Jesus would pray for them and they get better. Or somebody would be uh, struggling to make ends meet and Jesus would pray for them and their finances would improve. Or they were trying to have children and they received prayer and all of a sudden they, now they can have a baby. The ministry of Jesus is, is working. And the Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, that he heals every sickness and every disease among the people. Wow. Then verse 36 says, even amidst all of this ministry that's going forth, the Lord is using Jesus mightily. He's in his purpose, doing what God called, calls him to do. But he doesn't lose sight of the thing that's most important. And you know what that is? That's the people. So it says in verse 36, when he saw the multitudes, he is moved with compassion. So Jesus is not all caught up in the fact that he's got this amazing ministry and all this Holy Ghost power that's just flowing through him freely. Um, he's not all caught up in that. He's concerned about the people. And it says in verse 36, when he saw the multitudes of people, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And um, one of the things we're talking about why church, one of the things that's most have that, that the proper backup, the proper support that only comes from being part of a fellowship, part of a, part of a church, uh, which is basically the Lord assigning you to a particular um, body and under a particular shepherd. Um, if without that assignment, we're gonna be scattered and we're gonna be fainting. The word of God says, we talked about this last week, word of God has a lot to say about why it's good to be in the house of God. Uh, and I'm, we're gonna see later that the house of God is not just a building. It's not just a place where we go. It's really more about the people that we connect with. That's the church. So we can have church over Zoom, just in case you're wondering. But Psalm 84 verse 10 says, a day in my courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. We talked about that last week, how the psalmist, God gave him some insight into all the miraculous things that take place. They're just, there's things that you can't even quantify almost when you are around God's people and that we are worshiping together and hearing from God together and receiving from God together. The word of God says that one day in that position is, is better than a thousand. And then it says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd, I'd rather be the person, even if I'm not in the front row, even if I'm not in the back row, I'd rather be the person holding the door and that type of atmosphere than be the president in some other place of prominence because God's house is that amazing and that wonderful. Um, Word of God talks about in Psalm 27, it talks about how um, the Lord is your, our light and our salvation, who shall we fear? Um, and it goes on and talks about how um, uh, one thing has required, the Lord will answer you when you're in that presence. So Psalm 92, they that are planted in the house of the Lord. And again, we're not just talking about a physical building or a particular um, 
you know, a particular um, uh, place, so to speak. We're talking about being around God's people. That's, that's what the church is, is a body of people. It talks about how when you're planted in that place, you will flourish in those courts. That's Psalm chapter 92, verses 12 through 14. Psalm 122 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So the word of God has all these wonderful things to say about the importance of being in God's house and being in God's presence and hallelujah. Um, then, um, we are, then if we go down to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20, it says, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, the blood of the everlasting covenant we talked about last week how jesus is the great shepherd um and what does the great shepherd do he lays down his life for the sheep jesus was our example he laid down his life um he he, he set us up for for blessing for increase for provision he set us up most of all to to become the sons of god to be the sons and the daughters of the most high god he literally took a it He's the propitiation for our sins. In the book of Acts, when Peter's preaching about Jesus and Paul's preaching about Jesus, Paul calls Jesus the second Adam. Um, 1 John chapter 2, um, verse 1, it says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation just means he's the mediator, he's the advocate. He's the, he's the go-between. He's the person that, that, that took our place, literally, so that we could be in God's presence, so that, we be, so that we could belong to God. Wow, this is good news. So if you think God is mad at you, he's not mad at you. Jesus already took care of all of that for us. But God has called us to become part of a church because there's something there for us. There's something there that's greater that we can receive than if we're, than if we're, not, than if we're not part of a church, part of a local ministry. So I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about uh, under shepherds and how um, God gives us these this fivefold ministries. We talked about that in uh, Ephesians chapter four last week. Unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Um, it goes on to say down in verse eleven, He gave some apostles, He gave some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. The purpose of this fivefold ministry is for the perfecting of the body of Christ. You and I are the body of Christ, and the Lord wants to perfect us so that he can come back for a church that is without spot and without blemish for a mature church. In order to get that mature church, the Lord has these apostles he set up in place. Apostles basically establish things that are not in existence. They're like trailblazers in the spirit. Sometimes they plant ministries, but they can be planting anything. It's really pretty quiet and pretty confident and it's really by the spirit of god that the spirit of god just speaks to them and they see but then when they see god not no word ever fell to the ground um then you have these people called evangelists they go and they preach the word they preach the word in and out back and front dark light here means in the greek it means poimen and what that means is uh, literally a person that's a gatherer they gather people together they, they like gathering people together. They have a gift from God to be able to gather people together. And when they get the people together, God has given, put something in pastors that allows that person, the pastor, to feed the sheep. The shepherds are there to feed the sheep. And then you have the teachers. The whole purpose is to perfect the saints. So there's all kinds of examples in the word of God because church is important and God wants us to understand the importance. There's all kinds of examples in the word of God of 
of, of, of why we should be in the house of God and why of, of, of Israel. And, um, and, and at the time that he was anointed, um, this is in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11, Samuel said unto Jesse, we talked about this last week, are these all your children? And Jesse says, well, I have one more son. He's out there with the sheep. There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keeps the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, well, go get him, because all the other brothers that are here, boy, they are handsome, they are tall, they are strong, they are wise, uh, they are favored, but that they're not the one that God sent me to a where this is he. We're talking about why church, talking about pastors now. Then it says, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And right there, the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah, that's the prophet. He, he goes up and goes back. This, and then it talks about how the spirit of the Lord that was on Saul, who was the king at that time, spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And now he's troubled by, by God, that evil spirit that's on Saul, leaves Saul every time David's around. So he tried to keep David around as much as he can. Um, but we're talking about the importance of shepherds. So in 1 Samuel chapter 17, this is what it says. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32 says, and David said to Saul, this is uh, the, that day that Goliath was out there challenging the armies of God. David says, your servant, Saul, I used to keep my father's sheep. As a matter of fact, I'm, 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 I'm paraphrasing. I got somebody watching him right now. Because you know, David was a good shepherd. Anytime he had to leave, he made sure somebody was there to take care of those sheep, right? But he tells Saul, he says, that him for about the first year. After that, they're sheep. And the sheep are usually more, you know, they're a little bit, sheep can be kind of crazy, but sheep are more obedient than lambs. Lambs are, you know, they're babies. They could be all over the place, right? Sometimes they, they just kind of go off on their own. And then the shepherd's got to go find those lambs. But in this case, it says that uh, there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb, took one of the young ones out of the flock. Now look what the shepherd does in verse 35. It says, and I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. Now I want you to think about that for a second. I know this is 20 wild animals now that they didn't have back then. This is one teenage boy. This is a lion. And it says, and a bear. And it says that he went out after him and killed him and delivered the lamb out of his mouth. And then it says, and when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. And then it says in verse 36, he's just talking to Saul right now. He says, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Hmm seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Now, if David was telling the fib, I don't think he would have been trying to challenge Goliath because everybody else was afraid of Goliath. So obviously David is telling the truth. Obviously the, the anointing was on him to shepherd his sheep. And so the, the operative point here is that God calls these people called under shepherds. And part of the job of an under shepherd is to protect the sheep from when the enemy tries to come in. The Bible calls Satan uh, talks about how he roars as a lion, seeking who he may desire, uh, seeking who he may devour, right? So that's a good example. That kind of tells you that as under shepherds, God has called us to protect the sheep of a pastor that God has anointed and that, and, and that God has called you to. Then the word of God talks about how we are all like sheep. Um, and, and this is all throughout the word. You know, God calls us, um, he calls us sheep. You know, it says in Isaiah chapter 
verse five, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes, we are healed. Then it says in verse six, all of us are like sheep. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way. Mm. And the Lord has laid on him the, the, the iniquity of us all. The word of God calls us as believers, as people of God, the word likens us to sheep. Why did the word likens us, liken us to sheep? Because sheep go astray. Every now and again, even though they're part of a flock and they know it, they know this is where they're supposed to be. They know that this is where they eat. They know that this is where they get blessed. They know that this is where their uh, wool gets combed. They know that around this time, they get sheared by their shepherd. They know that if they don't watch it, if they go beyond this point, they know that they are uncovered if they go past a certain point, they might not, they could be out, outside of the watch of their shepherd. And the word of God says that we are just like that, that every now and again, we go astray. We go astray in our minds. We go astray with our, with our thoughts, with our words, with our lives sometimes. And because we go astray, because we are, 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 um, are given to iniquity, to trespassing, um, it says that the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity, the sin, we ourselves, it says we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. So the Lord is trying to tell us something here about, um, about church, about, about uh, headship, about leadership. Um, part of the job of the pastor is, um, the major part of the job is to feed the sheep, but the other part of the job of the pastor is to protect the sheep, as we saw in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Um, then, there's some other things that happen when you're part of a church or when you're under a pastor. There's accountability that comes with that. There is coaching. There's support that comes with that. First Timothy chapter two, verse 24 says, this is talking about the shepherd, the pastor. It says, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. What's that saying, Pastor John? What's that saying is that when you go to church, when you're part of a fellowship, part of a ministry, um, and you're under a pastor, you're under somebody that God has called and that's anointed, that, that person is, is not somebody that you report to. They're not somebody that lords over you. You only have one Lord. That's Christ Jesus. This person is supposed to be your servant. They're supposed to be an under shepherd of the Lord Jesus Christ, laying down their life, making themselves uncomfortable for your comfort. They're supposed to take the gift that God has given them and freely give it to you, right? So, so our, you know, pastors, a lot of times, it seems like pastors feel like people belong to them when they don't. The pe really, the pastor belongs to the people if anybody belongs to anybody. You know, no pastor has a church that belongs to him. No pastor does because Jesus is the head of the church. If anything, if anybody belongs to anybody, the pastor belongs to the people because the word of God says that the servant of the Lord, the pastor is the servant of the Lord. He must not strive. He must be gentle unto all men. He must be apt to teach. He's got to be quick to teach. He's got to be patient. Remember we read in Matthew chapter nine, when Jesus saw all the multitudes and it says that he had compassion on them because they were sheep having no shepherd. You know, the next thing that Jesus does is he tells the disciples, let's feed them all. Because that's what pastors do. When they gather all the sheep together, they are most concerned 
that the sheep need to eat. Because if the sheep don't eat, they're going to be fainting. They're going to be scattered. They're going to be all over the place. They're going to be unstable. They're not going to be able to, to listen. You know, they're not going to be able to stay out of harm's way if they're not fed. That's the first thing that the Lord wants to do uh, is he wants the sheep to be fed by their pastor. Then their pastor has some other responsibilities too that include protecting them, that include nurturing them, that include, you know, maintaining them, uh, um, shearing, shearing that wool every now and again, combing through it when, it, when, it's, when it's rough, even though it's uncomfortable for the, uh, for the sheep when it happens. And even though it's a lot of work for the shepherd, it must be done. Hallelujah. I hope you're being blessed. Um, so the pastor is an under shepherd. They have to be ready to teach, provide instruction and in righteousness and gentleness and patience and confirm what the Holy Spirit is saying, right? Now you don't need me, you know, no believer needs a pastor to tell them what God is saying. We all have the ability to hear from God on our own, but the Lord knows that we are all sheep and that sheep have a tendency to go astray and go over here and we get easily distracted. And now the spirit of God is talking. And even though we belong to God and can hear from God ourselves, we're not listening. So you know what God does? He's merciful. He says, you know what? I'm gonna give them somebody that they can see, somebody that they can't miss. How about, how, let's use their shepherd. I'm gonna make sure that their shepherd confirms what I've been telling them. So the spirit of God is whispering to you all week long. Hey, come and be in my presence. Come and be in the word. I missed you. I have something I wanna show you that will bless you. I know what happened last week. I know what's going on right now. And I know what's coming next week. And the spirit of God is telling you, come and be in my presence, come and be in the word, come worship in my presence. And we ignore the spirit of God all week long. No condemnation, thank God for the blood, but thank God we come to church. And you know what the spirit of God does? The spirit of God interrupts whoever the message is and makes the pastor say something that you needed to hear that confirms what the Lord has been telling you all week long, right? It's nothing that you don't know already, but the Lord is making that shepherd say something that you know the shepherd might even know what he's talking about, but you can hear God, his trusted under shepherd to make sure you're taken care of. Um, you know, I want to get ahead of myself, but the word of God, you know, Jesus talks about how um, when he's talking to the disciples right before he gets ready to, to go to Calvary and have that off that long, just night of horror before a morning of horror on the cross, before three days and three nights and the greatest horror down in Sheol. Before all of that, he tells the disciples, let not your heart be troubled. And then he tells them, I'm, I'm gonna go away, but I'm gonna send you another comforter. See, that's what pastors do. Jesus is the great shepherd. He's getting ready to go, but he's gonna make sure that his sheep are taken care of, that his sheep are comforted. Jesus is pastoring all the time. Then before he goes, you know, he's concerned about his mother, he'd make sure his mother's taken care of. He says, mom, John's gonna take care of you. John, this is your mother now. I know your mother is this, this other woman that, that bore you, but this is your other mother now. You wanna take care of her. Jesus is always making sure that the people are taken care of. I don't wanna get ahead of myself, but then the word of God talks about how after Jesus rose from the dead and before he ascends to the father, he tells Peter, Peter, you see all of these brothers right here? You're their pastor. I'm gonna show you, we're gonna see that in a minute. That's in John chapter 20, John chapter 21. But he's always making sure that the sheep are taken care of. If he has to go, he makes sure that the sheep are taken care of. David was the same way. That's why the word of God says that David was a man after God's heart because he cared about those sheep. That's also why God promoted David to be the leader, the king 
over all Israel because David was faithful with those little sheep in that pasture. God said, okay, I want you to be my under shepherd and shepherd my people, king, the, the, the kingdom of Israel. Hallelujah. Um, we're talking about why God has called us to be in the house of God, why we're supposed to be under um, a church, uh, under a pastor, and why we're supposed to be fellowshipping with other believers. There's something else that comes with this. There's another blessing that comes with being part of a local church. Here's the other blessing, is that it gives us an opportunity to be in a place of blessing, where God's hand is moving, where the Holy Spirit is moving, and all we have to do literally is put our feet in the pool and we'll get wet. That is a special blessing of becoming part of a ministry, part of a church. So this is what it says in Psalm chapter 34, verse three. It says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together, right? Now we know we can all praise God ourselves. I can go upstairs right now and close my bedroom door while my family's doing whatever and just worship the Lord by myself and it'll be all good, right? But there's something different when we all come together. And that's what the psalmist understood. And that's why he said in verse three of Psalm 34, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. You can't tell me that when you get together with a whole bunch of people that love the Lord like you do and believe God like you do, if we all worship the Lord together, there's something greater that can happen when we come and worship the Lord together. So there's greater power when we come together as part of a church fellowship, talking about why God has called us what, you know, to, to, be, to belong to a church and to be under a pastor. You know, we have him. Why do we need a church? Why do we need a pastor, right? Then it says this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm closing. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there shall be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared unto me, my, my brothers, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are some contentions among you. The, the other part of, of us becoming part of a, of a church, part of a body, is we got to stand together. Ephesians chapter 4, along those same lines, verse 16, says, for whom the whole body fitly joined together. The whole body is talking about the church. We are the body of Christ. The whole body is supposed to be fitly joined together, right? We're like a puzzle that it all just fits when we come together. We just got to come together. For whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. What does all of that mean, Pastor John? It means that we are all better when we come together than we all I don't have. That when we come together, it's like everybody, it's like a potluck. It's like everybody bringing something to the table. And whatever I'm lacking over here, I don't have to know how to make it. I don't have to be an expert at it. I can go and dip my finger over here and get some of my brothers or my sisters because we're all together. We're all, every joint is supplying. We're all fitly compacted together. Talking about why God has called us to go to church. Psalm 133, this is one of my favorites. Why do we need to go to church? Because Psalm 133 said, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters in Christ to dwell, to live together, right? To dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went all the way down to the skirts of his garments 
as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there, the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Why does God want us to go to church? Because the anointing flows when you go to church. We all come together in unity. The spirit of God can put his, he can smear his presence. It's going to hit this, the, the, uh, the chief. It's going to hit the under shepherd first, who's the head, right? It's going to hit the head. Then it's going to come all the way down to the beard. Then it's going to come down to his clothes, all the way down to his pants. And the word of God says that in that unity, we're all standing in one place like that. The word of God says that God will command his blessing. You know what that means? That means that if you get in the right place where God has called you to be, under the right pastor, under the, under the right, and, and in the right fellowship with other believers, do you know that that means you don't have to ask God to bless you? You don't have to pray about your blessing. You don't have to pray about your money. You don't have to pray about your healing. You can just be where God has called you to be. And the word of God says that he will command his blessing, even life forevermore. And you know what that means? You can take and all of that praying you were going to do for yourself, you can pray for somebody else. All that prayer, all that faith that you had on your finances and on your body and on your family, when you get where you're supposed to be, you can take, because the commanded blessing is already there because there's unity, you can take all of that faith, all of that prayer, you can put it on somebody else to get somebody into the kingdom or to get somebody from the, you know, from the chain, to break the chains of the devil off of somebody or because somebody is struggling and they need help. You can use your faith and your resources to go and help them. And you don't need your faith for yourself because God has already commanded the blessing. Talking about why we need to be in the house of God. Hallelujah. This is it. This is, uh, I'm, I'm closing. Uh, Acts chapter two, um, well, excuse me, Acts chapter one, verses one through four, um, talking about why we need to be assembled together. Acts chapter one says, the former treaty I've made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both, to both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This is the operative verse. Verse four says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father, which says he, you have heard of me. What, what's, all, what's all of that saying? What that's saying is that right after Jesus saw the disciples, right before, right after he rose from the dead and before he ascended up to the father permanently, right? He's got them all assembled together and they're getting special instructions. And he's telling them, y'all don't leave Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. Y'all stay connected, stay together, stay in the church because the Holy Ghost is getting ready to come. I'm ascending, but I'm a, I told you I was going to leave. I was not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the comforter. They would have missed that if they weren't all together. He told them on purpose, y'all stay together. And when the Holy Ghost comes, he's going to come on all of y'all. Now, imagine if they weren't there. They would have missed those instructions. Imagine if somebody decided they were going to sleep through church that day. They, they would have missed what they would have missed Jesus, and they would have missed the instructions that he gave them on when they, where they needed to be and how they needed to be so that the Holy Spirit was going to come. So there are divine instructions that come when you belong to a fellowship and when you're sitting under a pastor that you don't get by yourself. And then we know in Acts chapter two and verse one, when they were gathered together on one accord, the word of God says, then the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit can move freely when we're gathered together on one accord. Here's the last thing that I, and I'm closing because it's, it's 946, hallelujah. The other reason that God wants you to be part of a church, part of a ministry, 
to be under a pastor is because God knows that there is somebody, there are probably more than one, but there are some people that you're supposed to be around and fellowship with and connect with. Watch this, that you don't like. The Lord knows that there are some people that belong to the ministry that God has called you to, that if for some reason, y'all just don't get along. And you know what? The Lord wants you to work through it. Now, here's how we know it in the word. I'm, I'm gonna take you there. Uh, I told you we were gonna go to John chapter 21. We were just in Acts. So we're just gonna flip back a little bit here. John chapter 21. This is really gonna bless you. I'm closing. John chapter 21. And this is really powerful. It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. Now, this is the apostle John talking, okay? And he's telling the story about how uh, we already read how, you know, he outran Peter to the, to the tomb. And then, but he didn't want to go in. Peter goes in and Peter can see that the, that the you know, the things that they had wrapped on the body of Jesus, the part that covered his head was neatly folded. The other stuff was just kind of laying there. And all these things had happened and Jesus had rose and they're like, they're like confused. They don't know what's going on. They just saw him die. And John was there, right? Then it says in verse 21 here, verse one of chapter 21. And these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples of the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. It says they were, they were together, Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee. So that's John, that's the author and his brother, um, uh, Andrew, uh, no, J James, give me James, and two other of his disciples. Peter says unto them, I'm going to go fishing. They said unto him, okay, we'll go with you. Now they're all, they're all called. God, Jesus has called them to go and preach the word. And they just saw Jesus rise from the dead, but it's almost like they don't know what to do. So Peter said, I'm going to go back to my fishing business. And they said, okay, we'll go with you, right? So we can, we can already kind of see signs there that God has called Peter to kind of be the, 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 the pastor for the disciples. But they're actually transitioning from discipleship into apostleship, right? So then it says, we're going to go with you. So they went forth, they go to a ship. That night, they didn't catch any fish, right? Now, this is how you know when God has called you to do something and you're doing something else, this is one of the reasons that you can tell because whatever you're doing, you might be good at it and it's not working out. Peter was good at this fishing business and it wasn't working out. He knew exactly what he was doing out there. And it says all night, they didn't catch anything, right? You know why he didn't catch anything? Because he was supposed to be a fisher of men now. He wasn't supposed to be fishing for fish in the sea. He was supposed to be fishing for men. So it says when the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, children, did you catch anything? You have any fish? You have any meat? They said, no, right? Then he says unto them, well, put the net on the right side of the ship and you shall find. Now, if I'm, if I'm in that boat with Peter and I hear somebody say that, I'm already thinking, oh, it's gotta be the Lord, right? So they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fishes. Look at this. Even though Peter is outside of the will of God technically right now, God, the Lord is still blessing him. But that's also a little check to say, okay, come, let's get back to what you, what I called you to do. Then it says, in verse seven, therefore that disciple who Jesus loved said unto Peter, it's the Lord, right? John's talking about himself. He told Peter, it's the Lord. Now, when Peter heard it, that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat about him for he was naked. Peter was a real fisherman, my Lord, he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. He jumped into the sea. The other disciples came in a little ship 
for they were not far from land, but it was 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fishes. We'll keep on going. Jesus, Jesus cooks for them, basically. But I want, here's what I want you to see. It says right here, tells them to come and dine. Then it says in verse 15, let me go back to 14. It says, this is now the third time, the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he rose from the dead. Here we go, verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than you love all of them, right? That sounds like a rhetorical question, but Jesus asked it, right? And it says, he said unto him, this is what Peter said, yeah, Lord, you know I love you. And then, he, and then Jesus tells him, feed my lambs, because he's a chief, because he's a shepherd. He loves his sheep. He loves his lamb. And he's most concerned about our, your, you and I's spiritual health as his sheep and as his lamb. He tells Peter, feed my lambs. Then verse 16 says, he said to him again the second time, Simon, Peter of Jonas, do you love me? And then Peter said to him, Lord, you know I love you. And then he said unto him, feed my sheep right? My Lord. Then verse 17 says, he said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Now, if I'm Peter, I'm starting to feel some kind of way too. I'm ready to cry. The Lord is asking me three times, like I don't really love him. It might make me question, do I love the Lord? The Lord asked me three times like that. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, do you love me? And he said unto him, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. That's the, why you need to be in the house of God is because you and I, we are sheep. You know, if you just got recently born again, you might be a lamb, but you belong in the house of God. You belong, you belong um, among the brothers. You're supposed to be part of that flock so God can feed you, so that God can speak to you, so that God can bless you. But the other part of being part of that flock is there's gonna be somebody in that church, in that fellowship, that you just don't really get along with and that you just don't really like. But God, but God needs you to get with that person because you'll actually sharpen each other. And my point with that is this relationship between Peter and John, they had problems. If you read your Bible, Peter and John had issues. They did, I don't think they liked each other very much. The word of God says that Peter was a fisherman, so he was blue collar. The word of God says that John came from the Zebedee family. They were rich, they had money. As a matter of fact, they were financing a lot of what Jesus was doing in that three years of ministry. I'm closing. I didn't forget. They were financing a lot of that. And as a result of their financing, you know, you know how we can be as people, right? Peter's blue collar. John has got a silver spoon in his mouth. But, they, but, but the common denominator is that Jesus told them both, follow me. And they follow. But they don't, but they don't, they, they clash a little bit, right? So they don't like each other that good. They don't like each other that much. Then to make things worse, Every time Peter turns around, John is hanging around Jesus. Every time Peter turns around, John is laying on his shoulder. John is laying on his chest. John is always trying to be up on Jesus every single time. Peter is like, man, can we get back? You know, Jesus, Jesus told me upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Why is, already, why is John always around? Then every time Jesus goes to do something major, the word of God says it's Peter, James, and John. Peter cannot escape John, but also John can't escape Peter. So John's mother tells Jesus, hey, my sons, can they be close to you when we get in heaven? Can they just kind of be the closest ones to you? And Jesus says, well, they, that's, that's a hard question you're asking, ma'am. We appreciate all the seed that you're sowing, but what you're asking, you see how we do as people, you know how we do. So he's, she's asking for something like she can pay for it, right? My point with all of this is that there's somebody in the church that you're going to clash with. These two clash the whole time. The word of God says that 
you know, when Mary came to tell them that Jesus had rose from the dead, they were always, they were always in competition. John outran Peter to get to the tomb, right? But then John don't want to go in. So, but Peter's not afraid to go in. Peter goes in. We see it right here again. Jesus is calling to him from the shore. And John says, it's Jesus. Don't you realize it's Jesus? You know, he probably snapped at Peter. It's Jesus. Don't you realize it's Jesus? And John, we appreciate, thank you, John. We appreciate that. But Peter's the one that jumps out of the boat and swims. He's like that passionate about Jesus. They were always competing with one another. And God wants there to be somebody in the ministry that challenges you. But it's not for you to be in competition with that person. It's for you both to be made better. And you know what? They're both made better. Because in Acts chapter two, when they're all promoted from disciples to apostles, the word of God says that Peter preaches and in 3,000, in one day, 3,000 people get saved. Word of God says that Peter and James and John were at the house of God at the hour of prayer and they just are healing people, just doing miracles. And word of God says that Peter's shadow is healing people. Uh, so I just wanna encourage you that there is great value in being in the house of God, being under the right shepherd. How do you know you're under the right shepherd? When that person preaches the word, it's like you're hearing from God every single time. Even though you might not talk to them that often, even though you don't have necessarily one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions, you know that you're a pastor where it seems like every time they preach, it's like God is talking to you directly all by yourself. That might be your pastor, right? Um, now that we know the word is good whenever anybody is preaching it, but we're talking about the pastor that God has called you to sit under, the person that God has called to speak into your life, to protect you in the realm of the spirit, Another way that you can tell you're under the right pastorship, right headship, right shepherding is all kinds of crazy things don't happen to you like they happen to some other believers. And what I mean by that is, is uh, other people, even some other saints that are not, that are, that are scattered, that are fainting because they don't have a shepherd, you know, they don't belong to a church, you know, they're saved, God is with them, but it seemed like they got to deal with a lot of stuff, just a lot of mess. And when you are where God called you to be, you don't deal with all of that. He's already commanded his blessing. You can use your faith for somebody else's mess to help bring them in. I'm closing right now. I'm, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands. We're going to worship the Lord as I play something a little bit soft. And we worship the Lord just for a few minutes. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. He, he never forsakes the work of his hand. He's gracious. He's loving. He's kind. He's good to us, hallelujah, and he's faithful. Father, we thank you, we praise you. 